It's time for the Brotherly Love Podcast. Keeping it real on the Philly sports scene since 2014. Listen, I love the Philadelphia Eagles, but we all know drafting hasn't been their forte. That's the opponent. Shake his hand and get to the damn locker room. Whether it's the fight in Bills, the Birds, the Fly Guys, the Process, or a national headline, these two beauties are talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. Here's your host, Joe O'Donnell. I mean, the Eagles had that game, and I hate the Saints. So, like, put them at the top of my list now. With the Cowboys, the Giants, the Redskins, the Vikings are up there. Screw them. The Patriots. I hate the Saints now. And John Mita. Jimmy Butler was your best player. So this offseason, I don't care how many millions it takes. It is the Brotherly Love Podcast, SoundCloud, iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at Beloved Podcast. You know it, you love it. Joe Donald, John Mita with you. Johnny Mita, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. What's up? Ah, Joe, are you kidding me? Talking with you is one of the best experiences of my life. And I, you know how much we love sports in this town. And just when we call it the summer with the slow cooker to start, uh, there's a lot to get to, man, and some unfortunate news as well. So yeah, there let's is. Get after it. Let's get right yeah. into it. Um, so, are you saying my voice is soothing, or are you just like generally talking with me? Like you came up on the radio today, it's like who would you want your Siri voice to be, Joe? I, I got to be honest, you, my Siri voice might not be bad. Really? Be able to calm me down when I'm, you know, speeding on the highway at great length, you know. You got that friendly manner to you, so. You do. Joe O'Donnell. You do <laughs> do a lot of speeding, for the record. Well, that's just a meat of gene, man. I can't get away from that. <laughs> that's how I was raised. All right, and let's. My, and my foot is my foot's a size fourteen, so there's a there's a lot of weight to a size fourteen foot, if you know what I mean. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Uh, Brotherly Love Podcast. We're going to touch them all here for the most part. Lot to get into. NBA Finals are underway. NHL Stanley Cup Final is in full swing, so we'll dive into both of those somewhat. We've got a damn that's tacky. Uh, But we're going to start with the Philadelphia Phillies and then probably from there transition into the Eagles. But with the Phillies, uh, you and I were talking yesterday, John Mead, about what we wanted to get into, some topics to hammer out here on the Brotherly Love podcast. And um, we talked a little bit about you and I back and forth on the Phillies losing streak, which ended up now being at five games after the drubbing they took in San Diego last night. And then uh, injuries, Jay Bruce just acquired. But at the time, we didn't know what we know now, which is the biggest injury of all to this point, and that's Andrew McCutcheon, lost for the season, announced today by the organization, a torn ACL. It happened on a fluky, weird play, a rundown last night in the first inning after he leads off the game with a walk. Gene Segura hits a you know, sort of a blue pop-up, and Ian Kinsler, the Padres' second baseman, sees Segura's not going to make it the first. He had kind of fallen down on the box. He wasn't exactly busting it down the line. Probably a bit frustrated because he's been scuffling. So Kinsler pretends he's going to catch it, lets it drop, plays the old, like, Little League double play ball. McCutcheon gets caught in the rundown because of it, tries, like, a, a jump spin, and ends up tweaking his knee to the point where he's toast devastating injury. I loved watching this guy play the first six weeks of the season. I always loved him when he was in Pittsburgh. Sort of one of those guys that I actually didn't hate on an opposing team. Respected his game. Former MVP. Boy, was he lethal years ago with the Buccos playing a great center field, a power stroke, stealing bags. Just one of those guys that looked like was 
the type of leader you need. And that's what we saw as Phillies fans the last six weeks or so. And now he's done. And to me, this is about as big of an injury as you could possibly have outside of maybe losing Aaron Nola because to me, McCutcheon in just a short time in Philadelphia was sort of that straw that stirs the drink. Clubhouse guy. Want to play every day guy. Can play multiple outfield positions. Gives you good at-bats, professional at-bats, hustles. Has fun out there. Loves the game. We saw him doing push-ups earlier this year when he didn't uh, play fundamental ball to his standards. The uh, rock, paper, scissors with the third base coach every time he hits a dinger. I mean, the guy loves the game. And so you feel for a guy like this to be lost at this stage in his career to a major knee injury. is going to be tough for him personally, but it absolutely crushes the Phillies. Thank goodness they pulled off the Jay Bruce trade when they did, or some teams would be holding them out for ransom. But I think this is a type of debilitating injury to a ball club. It doesn't mean they won't make the playoffs. It doesn't mean they won't win the NL East. But I have a hard time believing now, not saying I thought they were World Series champs to begin with, but I have a hard time believing now that this roster right now with Noel McCutcheon can win the World Series. Everything that you said, I mean, you, you were dead on the money with everything, Joe. I mean, when I look at him play, what you know, the type of money that he got, everyone's like, well, that might have been, you know, we might have paid, you know, we might have overpaid for his services. But just the way he came in, his leadership, how he took some of the young guys under his wing, he's so valuable to this team. And and, and he's our leadoff hitter. He is the absolute table setter. And he was doing great things. It also magnifies the Odubel Herrera situation. Yes. Now they, in all likelihood, he's probably jettisoned from the team he's gone you were talking about maybe moving McCutcheon over to center field a couple games here and there kind of like a platoon platoon style and now that that type of strategy and scenario is lost for the rest of the year and you have to feel for the guy he was in a right spot you know his teammates embraced him loved him he's just a good player and like you said Joe like yeah he played for the Pirates and you know you know how much I care about Pittsburgh not at all but I, I just I love watching that guy play. I was extremely excited when I thought it was an under the radar signing, and to lose him. And I'm, I'm watching that play last night with a friend of mine, and um, you know, and I said that looks like a torn ACL. Yeah, non-contact. I mean, I non-contact. I'm like, I hate to say it, the way he went down. The crazier part is when when finally they realized that he had to come out of the game. The conversation between Dave Kapler and Jay Bruce. I mean, did you see that exchange? That was just drove me nuts. It's like, hey, Jay, uh, did you bring your cleats today? When's the last time you played left field? And they both, like, kind of smugged and, like, laughed. I'm like, no, man, this is not a laughing matter. Like, what is going on here? They look ill-prepared. But um, this injury is absolutely devastating. And if you're talking about pieces that you need to ride out, on this particular baseball team the rest of the season. The guys that I look at are obviously Hopkins, Bryce Harper, Segura, JT Real Muto, Aaron Nola, and, and McCutcheon was huge. I mean, that was, you know, your core guys, your everything, and, and that was big time. You know, absolutely big time. 43 walks on the year, 29 RBIs, hitting over 250, on-base percentage of just under 380, 45 runs scored. I mean, he'd been doing it all. 
And it, it's tough for a guy in his 11th season who's kind of bounced around a little bit last couple years. You know, last year, the Giants, and then the Yankees prior to that, you know, his entire career with Pittsburgh. So hoping to find a home in Philadelphia at age 32 and the season cut short. Just absolutely uh, a, a crucial blow to this to this baseball team. And now the pressure starts to mount on the Phillies because the division lead has dwindled. You know, it was up to like three and a half games after they took care of business on the early portion of the road trip. Come home, play a few games. Now you're out on the West Coast, you get swept by the Dodgers. Nola's throwing a gem last night. You just can't get him any offense. Things implode when the bullpen comes in. Next thing you know, you get pumped 8-2. Five straight losses to lose a player like this. Tonight's game, tomorrow's game. By the time most of you listen to this podcast, they may be in the books already. But to me, I'll be interested to see how the Phillies respond. And the pressure mounts now. And, I, you know, you're going you're gonna to be all over me about this. But I, I think, again, you have to look at Bryce Harper. The pressure is going to fall on the guy making the most money, the guy that's under contract for the next 13 years, that really has been underwhelming and underperforming. He's got to take this team for a four-week span or whatever it is and put them on his back offensively. I know his defense has been there. I know he hustles. But my God, John Mita, when is this guy going to hit like the money they're paying him to hit? Now, you could say maybe that's just not his M.O. anymore. But if that's the case, the Phillies are screwed because they're married to this guy for a very long time. And I know it's only 60 games or whatever in a in a Phillies uniform, but he has to start to take on some of the onus of this ball club and put this team on his back. Fair or unfair? Somewhat fair. I, I can't give you all fair. You're such an like, apologist. No, I'm not an apologist, Joe. Like, look at his numbers, what he's doing right now. I mean, it's not like if you expect this guy to bat 290, have 35 dingers like Bellinger right now, like Cody Bellinger, like, you're talking about, like, one of the most craziest, unbelievable starts to his seasons of all time. I mean, I get it. He's got to be better, but everyone's got to be better. Look at the start that Mikhail Franco got off to at the beginning of the season. Now he's hitting, like, a blustery 220 right now. So they're getting no production at the back end of their lineup. I totally agree with you. Everybody. But your boy, Reese P.C. Hoskins, okay, he's been a little dead lately. He needs to come on live as well. So I agree it's more the offense right now, which is kind of crazy for me to even utter that is giving them problems considering, you know, the pitching hasn't been great. But you're right. It's about time for him to go on a tear where he hits like, you know, 10 home runs in the next, I don't know, 30 games. Yeah, in the next month. Batting average. Yeah. You're going to lose that. You're going to lose this bet, John Mita. No way. He'll get on fire. Don't you worry, buddy. Listen, your boy, your boy Bryce Harper's hitting 243 with 11 dingers and 43 RBIs. He might be leading the league in strikeouts. He's on pace to strike out like 7,000 times. All right? Absolutely in the league in strikeouts. He's got 79 strikeouts already in 60 games. All right? His stroke's too long. That's what she said. Reese Hoskins hitting 278. Maybe he needs a lighter bat. You know what I mean? I hear you, brother. 278. With 13 bombs and 42 RBIs. So, you tell me who's the face of the franchise. All right, I'll move on. Oh, God. Uh, All right, you yeah. know I was waiting for that one. Um, yeah, anyway, Jay Bruce, the acquisition the other day for Woo! the Mariners. Mariners. This is one of my favorite players in all of baseball. I could not be more thrilled. I know it sounds like I'm being facetious or sarcastic. I am not. Yes, I love Jay Real. 
Bruce, and I will be getting a Bruce t-shirt or a Bruce jersey or something signed by Jay Bruce at some point. I love this guy. He's hitting a whopping 214. Yes, he is. But perfect, he perfect. Ball, yeah, he does. Chicks dig the long ball. Um, yeah. Anyway, I uh, love me some Jay Bruce. He's probably washed up at this point at 32. He is what he is, but you know what? <laughs> Listen, well, he can spell. I mean, he does a couple things for you. Obviously, we all know the old left fielder doesn't have to be the most spry defensive stalwart out there. So he could, he could, he could get some platooning right there. Also, they don't really have a backup first baseman. And I don't want to see Sean Rodriguez on the field. That guy okay, stinks. The ex-cartel leader, Sean Rodriguez, all right? I was just – well, I just finished Narcos Mexico like a, a couple weeks well, ago. I'm pretty sure he was Brady. in it. He was an extra. There's no doubt about it. I mean, that guy spent like 35 years in the minor league. Has he really been just trying to make it through the minors? Or in actuality, has he just been in the witness protection program? <laughs> Listen, here, here's the issue. Here's the issue. All right? Oh, my God. Here's the issue. Nicky Dubs. All right. Nick Williams has been a disaster this year. He looks lost at the plate every opportunity he's had. And it's been it's been a killer because you mentioned Herrera, the administrative leave from MLB after the uh, alleged assault. I guess he's arrested. It really isn't so much alleged, but uh, alleged assault um, at the Atlantic City Casino, a little Ray Rice saga. He's never playing again for the Phillies. Book it. I don't know if we'll ever come back to baseball. I mean, ask Ray Rice how that worked out for him. We'll see if there's video footage. We'll see what eventually comes of it. But even though Doobie Herrera wasn't exactly hitting the cover off the ball, he was at least a warm body and, if nothing else, a possible trade chip, and now you got nothing. So it's basically you're losing two outfielders, two possible center everyday center fielders in McCutcheon and Herrera in the span of 10 days. And the Phillies right now sit at 33-27. and They're a half game ahead of the Braves. And, you know, they've pretty much led wire to wire all season long. But if they're not careful, they're going to put themselves right in the middle of a, you know, a, a midsummer race for the NL East title. And, you know, again, the pressure mounts now. It's officially on for the NL East crown. If it wasn't before, it is now because I believe the McCutcheon injury is really that devastating. Yeah, and there's word right now, um, there's word coming out that, you know, Atlanta is the favorite to land Craig Kimbrell. Your eyes out for that as well. Well, that's who the Phillies oh, really need. Is like it's time to sign Kimbrel. The draft's over. You don't have to give up a draft pick now yeah, for signing either him draft. or Keiko. Yeah. Kimbrel's the guy yeah. they need probably more at this rate. Uh, sign them both, bro. Because I got news for you. At the trade deadline, they might need two starters, a frontline guy, another starter, and definitely a closer. You have to find a way to get a closer. Because if you can find a way to get a closer, then at least you'll have one role in the bullpen that's completely defined unless Gabe Kapler gasses out their arm. All right, let's jump to the birds. The Phil's, though, <laughs> obviously not making either of us happy. All right, no. um, listen, Malcolm Jenkins and this situation here. This is just on yeah. my radar in the last couple of days. I don't know how long it's been on your radar, but he didn't go yeah. to the voluntary OTAs, whatever. But now it's yep. there's talk he's not coming to minicamp from June 10th to June 13th. He'll get fined each day he misses, including a maximum of $44,325 if he misses that third and final day. Could lose up to ninety grand basically, in fines. I'm going to read you some names, okay? All right, these are the huh? other Eagles' safeties. 
and I want yeah. you to brace yourself because sure. every time I've seen them either draft or sign or work out a safety, I've kind of been like, why are they doing that? Oh, depth. Can't have enough depth. But now I'm getting the picture here, all right? I've woken up to the situation. Jenkins is clearly not happy about his contract. The Eagles' safeties are Rodney McLeod coming off a major knee injury. Love him to death, but again, coming off an injury, hasn't practiced yet. Andrew Sandejo, who they signed this uh, this offseason from the Vikings. Like him. Good depth, if nothing else. Possible starter. Trey Sullivan, we saw a little taste of him. The Sullivan boys. It was the other guy's name, Chandon or something. Uh, no relation that was like a cornerback. Blake Countess, heard of him. Godwin, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, so I won't try. And DeAndre Hall. And both those guys stink. Jonathan Ciprian is the guy they're working out now who is a former, was it a Titan safety? Yeah, Titan. And he, well, he got drafted originally by Jacksonville. Then, um, been kind of like a lucrative free agent deal uh, when he was signed to free agency by Tennessee. But um, So he's basically been on zero winning football teams. So that's good. Right. And he's, uh, you know, an ACL injury kind of curtailed his last season with the Titans. Yeah, so. there you go. So that's you got, you got the, the pulse of the Eagles, the heart and soul of the Eagles right now, Malcolm Jenkins. Their unquestioned leader on defense did not miss a snap last year. Not one snap defensively. Not in a blowout, either way, not in a close game, not a breather, not needing IV, not tweaked an ankle. Malcolm Jenkins played every freaking snap. So what the hell is the problem, Howie Roseman? You want me to try to break this down? Or oh, you please. No, please, go right ahead. Enlighten me because I don't get it. <laughs> all right, so here's the deal. Um, we all know that right now, essentially, he's probably like the seventh highest paid safety. Tenth. Um, in is it 10th? Yeah, 10th okay. among NFL safeties, average salary of 8.1 8. million. Okay, okay. Now, granted, he's 10th. But you have to look at who the, who, who the guy got signed this year that kind of inflated that number, something serious. They're talking Earl Thomas signed a huge deal with Baltimore. The Honey Badger, Teron Matthews, signed a huge deal uh, with Kansas City. Landon Collins signed a huge deal with Washington. So you're talking about those are some of the top safeties in the game. And they all basically got a new deal. Well, hang on. Let's, let's break it down. Who do you, who would you take, Earl Thomas or Malcolm Jenkins right now? I mean, I'm an Earl Thomas. I know. So I, mean, I, I would probably take Earl Thomas. Okay. How, Everyone, about, how, about, the honey, how about the Honey Badger? Honest to God, I'd probably take Malcolm Jenkins. Yeah, me too. And how I, about, I, La- I, how about I, Landon Collins, who I am a big fan of despite him playing within yeah, division I, forever? Yeah, I like his game too, but you're right. I mean, don't get me wrong, Joe. I think, listen, you got to make the guy happy. This is one of those things, you know, let's, if we kind of look at a little bit of, like, revisionist history, when Dawkins was kind of underpaid, the, the, the post, you know, the latter years of his career, he felt like he got disrespected. He did. He moved on to Denver. Never should have been the case at all. You know, that, that crumb Joe Banner. Anyway, um, but I, they have to make him happy. Here's the question. What is it going to take? That's what it comes down to. How much money is it going to make him happy, and does he want more years? Because you also have to look at his age. It's not like his play's been suffering. He's still playing at a really high level. But are you going to extend this guy another three to four years? You know what I mean? Like this year, he's going to make $10 million. I mean, total with bonuses and everything else and base salary. So, like, guaranteed. So, but if he makes a team, which obviously he will. Um, but 
and then you have the Carson Wentz, you know, quarterback contract on the horizon. So if you don't do the Wentz deal until, you know, you wait one more year, you wait halfway through this season, and then you do the Wentz deal, the question is, is making him, uh, giving him a couple more million dollars, moving some money around, we know that the wizardry of Howie Rosen, he's such a specialist at that. But the, the, the underlying question, the big question for me is, how much is he asking for more a year? And does he want to be extension? Does he want one of those long-term, like, I want, like, a five-year safety deal like some of these other guys got, like Collins, the Honey Badger, and Earl Thomas? Because, again, I just don't know if we could afford to pay him that kind of money. Right. And would it be in the Eagles' best interest to pay him that money, considering he's 32 years old? However, the guy shows up every every play, every down, and he plays his absolute tail off. So it's a difficult situation. We all need it resolved. And it's not going to be a good idea to go into this season with this guy unhappy and for anyone. Right. And you have you have so many young pieces back in your secondary right now. He is the perfect tutor for all of that. So you got to find a way. But, you know, on his end, and, and a lot of times it's like, Listen, I and sometimes I, I I usually most of the time side with the player, unless they're like completely underperforming. Like if a guy signs a deal after two years, wants a new deal, and he's underperforming, like no, get out of here with that. But this is a guy that is taking care of it. He's been a great leader. He's been probably one of the best athletes in Philadelphia for the last five years. So it's you know you got to find a way to make him happy. But on the flip side of the equation is. He also has to know and understand the circumstances of, you know, what the Eagles are trying to do salary cap wise. I know everybody wants their money. He saw Brandon Graham get paid this year, but he also has to understand if you're looking for a 30 or $40 million deal with a three year, four year extension, that's probably not going to happen either. Well, I think Malcolm Jenkins is a pretty level headed individual. Wouldn't you say, I mean, everything we know about him. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. So I think he would look at the situation. He would look at their cap space. He would know he's underpaid by, his standards, Pro Bowler three of the last four years, didn't miss a snap last year, invaluable on the Super Bowl team. And he's got to be looking at the fact the NFL could lock out, right? There's two years left on Jenkins' yeah. current deal. And then there's a yeah. looming NFL lockout. And from you know what I've heard recently, they may lock out. And Jenkins would be at the forefront of that from a player rep standpoint, a player union standpoint. He would know all about that. And he's 31. He'll be 32 in December. And he's got tread left on the tires. I don't see why you can't bump him now and next year. And if you want to add an additional year, I'd be fine with that. He's probably fine with that. I don't think he's going to play football until he's 34, 35. He's got other endeavors. He's healthy. I I just think he wants to get paid this year and probably, you know, have a nice guarantee for the last year of his deal and probably doesn't want to be a free agent going into the lockout. Those would be the things, if I'm looking at it on the surface, and knowing that Malcolm Jenkins is a very knowledgeable guy, he's he's uh, he's in tune with society, he's not a dummy, and he's out there on the forefront of a lot of social issues and a lot of things for the players' union, and he's probably like, respect me, pay me my money, and the Eagles better not screw this up because I just read you the other safeties. And outside of Rodney McLeod and Sandejo they just signed, who doesn't know the defense yet, like, come on, they'll get it together, they'll get this done. If nothing else, Joe Banner sends a text to Howie Roseman and says, listen, I know what it's like to screw this up. Don't screw it up. Yeah. You think well Joe said. You think Joe Douglas is gone? No, I don't. 
No. All right, because good. I just read some. The search is still continuing. I'll tell you what, man. It's an absolute grease fire. And I heard, who was it? Oh, God. I don't know. One of the writers from the Jets up there used to work for ESPN. Maybe that Rich, that Rich Chimini guy? No, not him. Something made it. Manish made it? Or, I don't know. What he said was basically this. Joe Douglas, if he were to come in as a general manager, he would have no say of firing the coach. Now, him and Gase had worked together in Chicago. But still, if Gase wasn't getting the job done, he still would not have the authority to fire him, which is totally ludicrous. I would not want to step into a situation like that. All right. so I know they're friends, and he believes in them, but i, I got to tell you, I'm not a big Adam Gase fan. And frankly, his eyes scare the hell out of me. Yeah, he he's as <laughs> creepy as they get. Um, I'm all I'm all on the Joe Douglas train, and and I'm not even talking about the drafting. I'm just talking about his knowledge, the players he looks for, the free agent signings, the undrafted free agent signings. I think that's where yeah. Joe Douglas makes his money: the diamonds in the rough, the value type yeah. players. I don't know that you know draft wise that I'm I'm totally enamored with what the birds have done since he's been in the house. But I think yeah. from a uh, you know vice president of player personnel's title, I think from that standpoint, right. he's as good as we've ever had. So. Uh, you know, going back to the Tommy Modrak days or whatever. So yeah. I'm all about well, I mean, keeping keeping uh, Joe Douglas as happy as possible, keep him around. By the way, real quick, yeah. back to Malcolm Jenkins. I just should at least uh, NJ.com had, had the piece about the holdout and how it doesn't seem to be ending anytime soon. Just so everyone's clear here on the Brotherly Love podcast, if the Eagles release yeah. Jenkins, uh, they save about $8 million this year, but they'd have $3 million in dead cap hit money, and they'd have $6 million in dead cap hit money Next year, same deal if they try to trade them. So those both those scenarios unlikely. It's basically a game of chicken yeah. right now, and I hope the Eagles don't yeah. ruffle too many feathers there and piss the guy yeah. off just to uh, you know prove a point. Uh, there are certain guys yep. you don't do that with, and to me, Malcolm Jenkins is one of them. Uh, apparently, Adam Schefter came on too and said Reitner put on Twitter or something. I don't know. Right now, there's no end in sight, so that's not good news either. But hopefully. Listen, it's early. We're not at the training camp yet. We've got mandatory camp. He's a wily veteran, okay? As long as he's there for training camp, let, let's find a way to get this thing, you know, resolved. Let's, let's talk some hockey, my brother, here on the Brotherly Love Podcast. Uh, Hit us up yeah. on Twitter at Love Podcast on the Twooper. Love Podcast. Tweet us. Nobody ever does. All right, here we go to the Stanley Cup final. And I'll say this. I'll get it right off the hop for you, John Mita. I didn't think this series was going to go six games. I was thinking Bruins in five. I thought St. Louis ha- uh, St. Louis had a chance to steal game one because the Bruins were on a 10-day layoff. St. Louis led game one 2-0 early in the second. I was like, oh, I know my stuff. Bruins come back, win game one, give the Blues credit. They grind out a game two win in overtime, Carl Gunnarsson's goal. Then the Bruins pound the Blues in game three, seven, two. But last night, Ryan O'Reilly, a couple of goals. Jordan Bennington's doing what he's been doing, which is appear unflappable after a loss. St. Louis wins at home. The Blues' first ever home ice win in a Stanley Cup final in franchise history. Think about how long they've been around. As long as the Flyers, for crying out loud. 4-2 the final. St. Louis evens the series up with a with a 4-2 win in game four. And again, I didn't think this was going to go six or seven. I thought Boston was a better team, and I thought they were way better between the pipes. Rask over Bennington. I mean, listen, I've called about 15 Jordan Bennington games in my life. That's, you know, I understand goalies come up through the minors, 
but this guy was in the minor leagues. Like I was, I was calling his games in December and November. Like I, this, this isn't supposed to happen this way. This is like a la Patrick Waugh in 1986, where he came up with the Canadians and they won the Stanley Cup, and he came out of nowhere. That's what Bennington has done. He's given this Blues team uh, a reason to believe they were dead last in the league on January the second. They had one of the best rosters, one of the most promising rosters on paper coming in. Mike Yo was their head coach when the year started. Craig Berube's now their bench boss, and boy, do they play to his M.O., which is physical, nasty, in your face, and they do not let off the gas pedal. St. Louis, awfully impressive last night. What have you seen? Yeah, I mean, it, again, you know, it's the start of the series. You know, I hate to say it, but it looks like the Bruins have the edge. Yeah, but and who, you, who you, could you gotta- stomach another parade in Beantown. Oh, It'd be like their third Stop. in a calendar year, like uncle. Stop. Absolutely. There's no question about it. And then if they're vet, oh, yeah, no. God, it's just the thought of it. it makes me want to throw up. Just like looking at the face of Brad Marchand, who I can't stand. He looks like Splinter. Hate the face. The Hate the face. From the Teenage Mutant Turtles. But, um, you know, you, you got to love the physicality that, that the Blues have brought it. And it's just, you know, this this looks like it's got seven games written all over it. Um, so, again, I don't know. I mean, big news in the Serie 2, even though this guy's older than the tooth, but it looks like, you know, Sedano Chara has a broken jaw, um, and he will not be playing in the next game. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't see how he could have been done for the series of the broken jaw where they put, you know, one of those hemisphere helmets on him, like a big, like the great kazoo helmet on him. Uh, for him to play, but you know, what I've seen, it, it's been a great series. It, it looks like an old hockey, kind of more of the grinder out series than the open ice, you know, up and down pace stuff. I mean, there's still a lot of that, but I think power plays are going to be crucial. Um, the Bruins have one of the best in the game, and if, if St. Louis can find a way to kill a lot of those penalties, I think they'll be in good shape, but man, I, I'm tugging hard for the, uh, the St. Louis Blues in this one, big time. And you got to love the Chiefs, man. The chief, Craig Berube, the head coach, he's getting it done. And, and and the story itself, you know, you look at a team, and, and this is what gives Flyers fans hope, right? You know, St. Louis is kind of a middle-road team throughout the course of the season. Then all of a sudden, they catch fire, they get in the playoffs, and now, and now look where they are. You know, they're two wins away from hoisting their first-ever Stanley Cup in their franchise history. So that would be a really neat story as well. Their defense is really good, though. I was thinking about it last night. I mean, you've got the... The aging veteran and Jay Bowmeister, who's been around forever and has never won the cup, right? Um, You've you've got Colton Pareko and Alex Petrangelo, two guys that came up through their system, guys I saw play in the American Hockey League that were, you know, top end draft picks, but developed. Uh, You got a veteran like Gunnarsson who's been around on a couple of teams and uh, just one of those guys that can give you a little bit when you need it. And offensively, he's had a pretty decent series. Vince Dunn, who was injured and just came back to the lineup, watched him play last year in Chicago of the American Hockey League as, was, as they were part of the Blues system. Young kid with some upside, plays the power play a little bit. And Joel Edmondson, another kid that came up through their system. This is what the Fly, where the Flyers have been lacking, and I've been harping on it for podcast after podcast. They need yep. these young defensemen to develop. They have them. They have them in the system. We've talked about them for years, how great they are. It is time. It is time. Sanheim, Morin, Hag, etc. You know, Provorov, we've seen him rise up to become, you know, 
almost an all-star level defenseman. They need more of that to the Philadelphia Flyers. It starts on the back end. You have to have puck mobility with your defenseman. You've got to move the puck. You've got to play nasty in front of your net, and you have to limit your turnovers. It is not rocket science. The Blues are getting it from their D right now. Bennington, like you said, the young goaltender vibe there. He's been locked in. And then they've got talent up front, but most teams have talent up front. You take anybody's top two lines in hockey, ah, damn, there's some skill there. It is about the depth. It is about the buy-in factor. It is about your D. And if you don't have it, you're screwed. The Blues right now, they're playing. They, they've bought in. Barubi is uh, – I've met Craig Barubi a couple of times. I've talked to him a bunch. I've interviewed him. He's as no-nonsense as it gets, just as you'd imagine. He tells a great story. He's an intense, intimidating guy to be around. But they have the respect right now to the Blues players of the Chief, and the Chief's got them playing the right way, a way that he would have played the game and the way he did play the game. And right now they're making this thing – you know, they're giving Boston all they can handle. So we'll see what happens when the series goes back to Boston. I expect a big response from the Bruins with or without Char. I don't think he'll play. They're banged up right now, Boston. The longer this series goes, maybe all of a sudden now it favors the Blues because of their physicality and the fact that the Bruins are, are losing bodies left and right. Yeah, well said, man. All right, brother, let's jump by. What do you got, 30 seconds on the NBA Finals before I fall asleep? Yeah, 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 real quick in the NBA Finals. Uh, I don't know if anybody's been watching at all. Probably not. Um, but, um, you know, Golden State found a way to uh, even up the series uh, to make it 1-1 as they head back to the Bay. Uh, big news in the game is that Clay, Tom, uh, Clay Thompson tweaked his hamstring. Uh, they're still waiting for Kevin Durant to come back. And, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if they can, um, you know, if they can, they can steal a game here. Uh, it'd be huge for Toronto to steal a game on the road, but um, you know, just something about these are the last games in Oracle Arena and Golden State. You know, the boys in Golden State are going to want to play really strong, really hard there. And you know, the additions of Demarcus Cousins—he made a huge difference in that game. You know, matching the physicality of Mark Gasol and Serge Ibaka, they've done a really nice job on Kawhi Leonard, kind of taking him out of his game and. Uh, and then that's pretty much it. So we'll see what happens. But it's going to be interesting. The NBA Finals stink compared to the NHL <laughs> Stanley Cup. <laughs> All right, let's move on. This is our game Get out of here. Uh, yeah, but hang on. one more. We had one more thing I think we wanted to get into. Oh, Kevin Hayes, Flyers. Yeah. Uh, Flyers right. traded for the rights to Kevin Hayes. He's an unrestricted free agent should he hit July 1. At 25 goals his last year with the Rangers playing for Elaine Vigneault. Was with the Jets last year. Could be that number two center. The Flyers uh, need to add some depth. We'll see if they can get him signed. He gave a fifth-round pick to acquire his rights. Winnipeg must have known he was walking. They'll take the draft pick. We'll see if Chuck Fletcher and company can get it done and get Hayes signed. I'd imagine they had to have thought, they, they would have had to have thought that Hayes and Vigneault have a good relationship or known that there was a good relationship there despite his production. I mean, you can produce for a coach but hate his guts, right? So there has to be some chemistry there between coach and player for them to pull this off if I'm looking at it from a uh, sort of a logical perspective. All right, uh, the, damn, that's tacky. Why don't you start, John Mita? Mine is hockey-related. Uh, unless, uh-huh. you, unless you feel you need to close things out, give me your damn, yeah, that's tacky. Yeah. Now I'm going to give you two. The first one's sports, all right? And we're going to go to the Phillies game last night. And I'm going to talk about Ian Kinsler when he made that beer league softball move yeah. by not catching the ball. I got to be honest with you. Now it resulted in a 
a season-ending injury to a guy that's well-liked and well-respected across the league. I get it. Gene Segura slipped out of the batter box. He should do a better job running. But come on, man. That is tacky as hell to do that high school Harry move. So, Ian Kinsler, next time I see you, if you ever come back and I make a Philly-San Diego game, you are going to get it from me. Yeah, let's do it. Let's actually – let's look at the calendar, bro. Let's see if the Padres are in town at some point here coming up. I'd love to roast that guy. All right. That'd be great. So, we could do that. The other thing I'm going to talk about is going to a big deal around here on the main line. The Devin Moore show literally starts Memorial Day weekend. So I'm here, and I'm with, um, you know, working with my, my other caregiver friend. And we, we have our great friend, and we're waiting to get a table. And they can, these mainline people, these mainline hat-wearing, you know, Be careful, Devin be Porsche careful. That's half, that's half of our audience. Uh, you know what? <laughs> I'm trying to get a seat. You know, the people I'm with, you can tell we're getting a seat. I'm with somebody that needs to sit down immediately. And the people tag team, another group, another couple of hat-wearing individuals to take the seat that we waited for for 10 minutes with food in our hands. Come on, man. That is damn that tacky as hell. Such a mainline thing to do. <laughs> I love it. All right, here's mine. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, John Mita. Are you familiar with the Kelly Cup? Yeah. Yes, I am. That's the ECHL title. My name is on the Kelly Cup, keep in mind, from 2007. Thank you, Eric Trapp, yeah, team man. president, Idaho Steelheads. Very classy move of you. It will not be forgotten anytime soon. So the Colorado Eagles moved to the American Hockey League this year, uh, the 18-19 season. They came up from the ECHL where they had had a great run. Prior to that, they are in the Central Hockey League, also a great run. Heard a lot about them back in the day. They come to the American Hockey League this year as the Colorado Avalanche AHL affiliate. They play in Loveland, Colorado. Had a chance to check out that barn twice in October. Great little spot. They seem to do it well. They've got their old school fan base. They've had a tradition of winning, including back-to-back Kelly Cups at the ECHL level their last two years. So they went out. They left the ECHL as the two-time champs. Now this year they're in the American League. Again, the Kelly Cup is the ECHL title. You with me so far? I'm with you. I got it. I so, heard this earlier on the radio. Go ahead. Crazy. So the Colorado Eagles won it all in 2018. They moved to the American Hockey League. The Colorado Eagles did not return the Kelly Cup. Now, the league yeah. may put out a statement. And I know the guy that runs the ECHL communications department, he's about as nice of a man and as straight shooter as it gets. Like, he wouldn't – the, the ECHL has no reason to be making something up or bluffing here. But they're basically like, we've created a new Kelly Cup because we didn't get the old one back. We've reached out to Colorado several times. The Eagles come out with their own statement and say they've made, quote, numerous attempts to return the cup. How difficult it is it uh, is it to put the damn thing in a box and ship it to the league office? What kind of numerous attempts did you make, Colorado Eagles? So, damn, that's tacky. Give the trophy back to the league. You're not in the league anymore. The league still exists. This isn't something like where you leave, you know, you're moving houses. They're like, I'm going to take this with me. You know, when the vet was imploding, people were stealing seats. Like, this isn't the situation. The ECHL still exists. There's still a need for a Kelly Cup. In fact, the Newfoundland Growlers won the Kelly Cup tonight, ironically enough. It's a new cup. It's the fourth cup they've ever had to make. It's got the last 30 years worth of championship teams on it. Again, yours truly, proud to be on there. But that Kelly Cup that Colorado won the last two years, the actual trophy, is still in possession of the Eagles somewhere in Loveland or the real estate developer of an owner, and that is just damn tacky. 
Give it back to the league. Don't give me this. We tried several times. Don't tell me. I don't want to hear a story. Put it in a box. Send it back. It ain't that hard. All right. Cap out. Good job. Good job. You were passionate about that. (laughs) I mean, come on. I hear you. Return the damn trophy, bro. I know it's a minor league thing, but give it back. Well, at least pay for it if you're going to steal it. Amen. (laughs) Make him an offer. All right, Brotherly Love Podcast, SoundCloud, iTunes, keeping it real. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, Next one will probably be live in person back on the East Coast. And uh, we'll set up shop somewhere, Johnny Mita, you and I. Good stuff as always, brother. Love you, man. You too, pal. Love you as well. And, uh, again, thanks for everyone listening. Keep up. You know, we really appreciate all the feedback. And, uh, you know, if you have anything you want us to address something on the show, don't be afraid to hit up the Twitter account. Yeah, let us know. Email us, text us, whatever. We won't get to it, but at least you'll know that uh, at some point we, we gave it some thought. All right, you got it. Till next time. We'll see you. Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com.